Hello and welcome to another episode of Name on the Trophy, the Manchester United podcast covering all things transfers for you this summer. And the news is that Manchester United have announced Mason Mount. That deal has gone through. We'll talk a little bit about that, but mainly about other transfer news and what's next on United's agenda in today's pod. Um, I'm Dominic Booth, joined as always by Alex Wiley. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Don. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm very happy to see uh, United finally announce a transfer deal. Um, <laughs> the excitement is mounting. They they said in their transfer announcement, which I very nice. much approve of as a big fan of puns. <laughs> I haven't even seen it yet, to be honest with you. Um, it's just him putting his shirt on. It's not. It's not that exciting. I know. But I, I quite like that kind of thing. But yeah, good good news. I think good news all around. And you say, I mean, you say we finally announced someone. The windows barely been open for more than a couple of weeks it's just because it gets so much media attention there's such a lead up to it it feels like it's forever but technically yeah. this is united doing business early well it's before pre-season so yeah it, that is a mm. that is a win really to i think i think in previous years united have tend to do one deal quite early and then mm. which is, we've said so many times then leave it all just stick it on the back burner until the last day of august why not yeah, yeah, and as we've said before, it's a terrible way of doing business. <laughs> it's a terrible negotiating position. You tend to be rushed in your decisions, and I hope under a new ownership that starts to change. But it's a good start, you know. I, I, as frustrated as I, I was initially, really, when you step back, getting a deal done this early is a good thing. And I'm sure we're going to speak about subsequent deals this window. But it sounds like we're making headway in the goalkeeping department as well. So hopefully it's symptomatic of a change. Yeah, Andre Anana, that saga uh, is moving on a little bit of pace, which is a good thing for United. I think there's a, a bid been launched. So we'll probably monitor that one, probably one for a later podcast, whether that deal gets done or whether United head elsewhere in the goalkeeping department. But Mm-hmm. To start off with today, we'll go for um, a little bit of chat about a midfielder that United have been linked with. Uh, I mean, it ties in quite nicely, Alex, to what we spoke about on the previous podcast in terms of uh, a cover for Casemiro. So Sofian Amrabat, who who we're talking about, who United have been linked with, Fiorentina, um, 26 years old. I think he's soon 27. So whether that is the right age or not, we can debate. But this seems to be a link where, to a player that United probably, it's probably quite um, progressive for United to be looking at this after signing Mason Mount and accepting that Mason Mount doesn't solve all midfield problems. He's, he just solves one. Sofia Namrabat is a more defensive midfielder. Um, so it'd be interesting if United got that deal done where he would fit in. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's the bare minimum to know that certain players don't do everything. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the bar United. on which we're judging United <laughs> by is so low. But you're right. I mean, he would be cover for Casemiro. He's a different type of player to Casemiro. He's more of a pivot player who does a bit of defensive work rather than being an out-and-out defensive midfielder. So if you look at his stats the things that jump out the amount of passes he makes he's in the top 10 percent. his pass completion is in the top five percent this is compared to 
other centre midfielders in the top five European leagues and progressive passes, he's in the top 8%. His defensive data doesn't jump out. It's more or less average. Interceptions are below average. Tackles slightly above average. And using an algorithm that we have on our app and also other websites have as well, where you try and find similar players by looking at his stats and seeing what kind of players map similarly to him, it's not out-and-out defensive midfielders. It's players like Rodri or Jorginho, you know, those types of players that sit in the number six position but aren't putting out every single fire. It's more their job to get on the ball, keep things ticking over, almost never lose it and progress the ball up the pitch. That's what Amrabat is. I'd, 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 I'd think of him as a slightly more mobile and physical Jorginho. That's how I would categorise him. But that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not like for like with Casemiro, then if United are bringing him in, and it's more like a, a Frankie de Jong type that United looked at 12 months ago. And we've spoken before about how United pivoted, pun intended, from de Jong to Casemiro. Um, and now if there's any, anything in these Amrabat links, which I suspect there are, um, that's pivoting back to, to this type of midfielder which I kind of think is the player that Ten Hag would prefer long-term in that role. I think he probably wants someone to to tick along in that number six passing role, like a Rodri, rather than a Casemiro. It's just that Casemiro became available and then he did so well, especially in his early months at United, that you know United were very, very thankful to have him, to have, mm. to have anyone who was a specialist in a deep-lying role because they had Fred and McTominay before that so hmm. it's maybe it maybe it doesn't speak of clarity of thought and progressiveness that, that i said at the top maybe maybe it speaks more of a slight confusion again yeah it's 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 a tricky one because with frankie de Jong, you had a player who could have been either of those positions he could have been the six dropping deep to build play out or he could have been more of the number eight who's slightly further up the pitch and does I guess still similar things. He progresses it, but just a bit further up the pitch. With Casemiro, we now have a player who, as you said, is a he's a defensive specialist. He's very good at reading the game, putting out fires, things of that nature. What he isn't so good at is actually keeping the ball relative to his peers in that position. I think his uh, pass completion under pressure was on the low side, I think it's like towards 80%, while someone like Rodri, who's the best in the league, was pushing more towards 90%. He isn't that kind of player. And you're the question is, what does Ten Hag want? Does he want someone who is more on the defensive destructive side and is okay in possession, or someone who's less on the defensive side, but very good at being almost a metronome? And to be fair, with, with Amrabat, he never really plays as an eight. He's always that six. So he is technically in the same position as Casemiro. He just offers something different. So really the question is, if he is coming in to be backup to Casemiro, is he backup for like certain game situations or certain types of opponents? Because then there is a bit of thought and clarity to it. That's really the question. Or are United just going with another player who's on everybody's lips? I don't know. I think he has been linked with Bayern Munich. It seems pretty much every player linked with United this summer is also linked with Bayern Munich. Kim Min Jai, Harry Kane, Amrabat. Um, but what? Ashvili. 
Yeah, Mamad Dashbili, there we go. Yeah. Um the goalkeeper who you mentioned many, many moons ago seems like United <laughs> are going in a different direction to us this time. But um I wonder whether it's it is credit to Ten Hag because he's thinking about the, the long term makeup of his midfield. It it was so clear when he came in that the midfield needed to be basically root and branch reform, hmm. chain rip it up and start again. Um with respect to to my old mate Fred, who I do like as a player, but I think <laughs> we may see Fred go this summer. I think there's interest in him, and he's got one year left on his contract. Um, McTominay, the word is that United don't want to sell him because he's their youngest midfielder. Which right. I don't, I don't know whether that matters. To be honest, if if he, if he's not quite good enough for the first team, which he clearly isn't, and Ten Hag knows that, it doesn't matter how old he is to me. That seems very odd. Yeah, but it's it's an overhaul in in one sense or another, which United have badly needed in that area. And you know, you ten, ten Hag getting the kind of players in that he wants um, has to be a has to be a good thing. I think so. I I think there is there is thought behind it. Certainly from Ten Hag, I'm pretty sure he has ideas in place. We've talked about how it was odd that we went from Frankie Dion to Casemiro, but. I'm going to give Ten Hag some credit and assume that he knew what each player was going to bring in. And that meant that subsequent decisions in either that window or, or windows further down the line would move around that. Obviously, we brought Ericsson in around that time. Perhaps there was the thought of, okay, if we're not going to have the pivot player being someone who's very, very good in possession, we'll have the number eight being someone like that. And then have the, pivot, the defensive midfielder being more defensive so I do think Ten Hag is thinking these things through and uh, you know Amrabat I think would actually fit Ten Hag's system better than Casemiro does if I'm honest and is younger so it's a signing I'd welcome my only uh, sort of bugbear with it I guess is that he was a World Cup player he's a player who blew up on the World Cup stage that's why we're talking about him He's, he's been at Fiorentina for a couple of years now, at least. And people weren't really talking about him much. His brother was still probably the, the Amrabat that most people would be referencing. Has a good World Cup and now everyone's talking about him. And United have fallen into that trap before, as of other big clubs. But I do think he is a good player. I will say that. I can't believe you're saying that for a man who really liked the Enzo Fernandez to Chelsea deal as well. This, this is unbelievable. <laughs> there's other... There's other <laughs> Enzo Fernandez is... Genuinely, his data from Argentina to Portugal, and now even in a bad Chelsea team last season, is phenomenal. And I, I've said this with friends. I think he's going to be one of like the top five best centre midfielders in the world. And I know he had a very good World Cup, but I think he partly had a good World Cup because he's so good. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. There is that. And I'm also interested to get your take on Kai Havertz to Arsenal at some point. Um, maybe after he's you know not scored a goal in his first twelve games or something like that, we can. <laughs> We can catch up on uh, on your thoughts on that after you said that United should sign him. Well, okay, just just for some context, that was within the confines of having to choose Chelsea players yeah. and trying to find people worth talking about. Now, context I'm is not, not important. You've got to take it out. It's it, it's it's funnier. It's not for the clicks, no. But yeah. regardless, um, looking at Havertz and Arsenal, I'm not entirely sure where he fits into the way they play. If I'm honest. Um, I do still think he's a very good player. I just don't know where he fits in there. So <laughs> it could not work out and you can turn around and call me an idiot. That could happen. 
We'll see. Yeah, I certainly will if it does. Um, <laughs> moving on to uh, player sales or player departures uh, for this pod. And a really interesting one, and, and one that's a bit of a dagger to the heart for some United fans, I suspect. The news that Jane Sancho could possibly be offered out um, on loan or even sold this summer. Apparently, Borussia Dortmund are interested in taking him back. A sale or a loan, it's kind of difficult to to read given what Sancho could be and what I, I still think he has in terms of his talent. It feels like United are, are giving up slightly. Yeah, I, I, I really hope that those rumours are wrong because Sancho alongside probably Garnacho has the highest ceiling in the squad. We haven't seen it at United, certainly not on a consistent basis. And I think part of Sancho's problem is the way he plays doesn't appeal to what United fans want from a winger. Garnacho is very much in the, the winger mould of what United fans want. They want someone who's quick, direct and dribbles a lot, whilst Sancho is much more... I'd almost say more cerebral in the way he plays. He's more controlled. He tends to make decisions rather than just blindly trying to take players on. He he knows when and when not to. And although we're not seeing it on a consistent basis, if you look at his stats over the last year, they're actually still really, really good. So the Sabres score, we have him as the best player at United, which I know is going to raise a lot of eyebrows. But listen, so we've got the four top players, the four players we have in the best category are Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, and Jadon Sancho. Now, the other three, I'm pretty happy with this big. They're all hits. And Jadon Sancho has been very good in the past. And if you're looking at the actual numbers, to getting away from the Sabre score, actually just looking at the stats, his goal rate is in the top 30%. His expected assist rate is in the top 20%. He is in the top 10% for progressive carries. His touches in the attacking penalty area, six touches per 90, is in the top 8% for wingers. It's it's a lot of green bars. It's a lot of like very, very good returns. And maybe because we just haven't seen it on a consistent basis in terms of minutes and performance, we're not appreciating quite how good he is. But I think United would be very, very stupid to let a player that good go, especially if they let him go for cheap. It's just a case of the competition for places, though, isn't it? If if you want Garnacho to come through, and United fans would love to see Garnacho get more and more game time, he, he looks ready for it. He does. Then something's got to give, and and that person on form is Jaden Sancho. You know, you, you can't take Marcus Rashford out. You can't give him less game time. Who are you, you going to play? Somebody on the right? Probably mm. neither Garnacho nor Rashford suit that. Sancho to the right, potentially. I think he's got a better record in terms, certainly in terms of assists. Um, probably suits him a little bit more, I think, in a way, because he can be a little bit more creative and rely on passing and crossing rather than on that mm. left-hand role you cut in and you're expected to shoot, which Sancho never seems to want to do. Um, I really don't know. It, it's it stumped me this one. You throw Ahmad into the into the mix as well. Um and we know Mason Mount can play in a wide role on the right quite a lot. So it is a is real head scratcher. I think I agree entirely. United would be silly to to let him go. But at the same time, you can't keep all these players happy. And Ten Hag doesn't seem hugely enamoured with Sancho. No, I, I think Sancho's 
issue is because Ten Hag wants inverted wingers, he wants wingers who cut in. That means that Sancho, by being a right footer, has to play on the left. And as you said before, Rashford, arguably our best player, plays in that position or at least likes to play in that position the most. We have our player with arguably the highest ceiling, as I said before, being Garnaccio, who also plays in the same position. So where does he fit in? And the truth is, I don't know. I think you touched on United a good point. United don't have to play like that, though, do they? Just just quickly. No. They don't have to have inverted wingers. No, these, it's more Ten Hag's principles. And Pilistri has actually played on the right-hand side as a right a right footer. So he's the one who's broken the mould and plays in a different way. But as I said before, if, if you've got a lot of your attacking players being goal scorers, and certainly with Rashford on the left, you've got someone whose primary role is to score goals. It's not to create then having Sancho on the right, which historically means he plays as more of a creative player than a goal-scoring player, then maybe that creates a nice balance because at the moment we've got Rashford on the left, who's a goal-scoring player, Anthony on the right, who's a not-as-good goal-scoring player. Maybe the balance isn't quite there. And I've, that's why in previous conversations I've spoke about United needing a striker who can bring others into play to balance out the attack a little bit better. Maybe the way of doing that is that Sancho goes on the right. But then the obvious question is, well, where does Anthony go? But this is a problem that elite clubs have. They have loads and loads of players who don't always get into the team. City have got Phil Foden, who is not a guaranteed starter and is arguably one of, if not the best players in his age group. So maybe it's a good problem to have. It is. The problem is it's, Again, to quote Gary Neville, it's Manchester United and that level of in- of intense scrutiny and the spotlight is so, so fierce and it means that all these decisions get get heightened and we're having this debate because, because of that, you know, because there's such a, a thirst for it. And Sancho just needs to deliver more and make that an easier question for Ten Hag to answer. Whether he gets that chance, we will see. We will see. It's... Yeah, after writing about um, Sancho's move from Dortmund to United for what felt like an absolute eternity, this feels like a real <laughs> letdown to see that you might go back there and it might be like back to square one and uh, United basically lose. I think he's he's valued now at something like forty forty five million pounds, so that's nearly a half a half cut on the the money they paid for him. So it's a, it, a, it's a dagger. It would be a steal, absolute steal, and uh, no doubt he would go there and do very well because that's. That's what tends to happen when people leave United. Yeah, yeah. It almost feels like we've spent as as much time just trying to get the deal over the line as we're actually just gonna like have him in the squad and just let him sort of progress. <laughs> I think you do need to give players time. You know, weirdly enough, although he's an English player, he'd, he'd never played in the Premier League before. He's he came through the academy system and then he was immediately in Germany. There's a degree of adaptation that you should give him more than you'd give other English players for that caveat. He just needs time and he needs a role in the squad and he needs consistent minutes because he is a good enough player for you to get a return on that. And he's such a good player. In fact, I think Ten Hag should prioritize working him into the team and United fans. I know, I know a lot of United fans have already written him off, but to me, there is a a player who, has been and could be world class. And for me, you build you build teams around those sort of players. You you get them into the squad somehow. 
I'm not sure how. Maybe it is going on the right. I'd rather sacrifice Anthony, to be honest, than sacrifice Sancho. So maybe that is the answer. Or is or is it as a like a have two tens alongside Bruno Fernandez and have a completely different style of formation? I don't know what it is, but United should prioritise getting him into the team. That's uh, that's for Ten Hag to solve for sure. Um, mm. I want to talk a little bit about the the number nine position, as I think we're contractually obliged to do on every podcast until United <laughs> sign a number nine. Um, there's an interesting article on the Athletic this morning about how how can United find uh, alternatives to Harry Kane or Victor Osiman. Obviously, Kane and Osiman did a whole podcast on on those two, the two main number nines who would appear to be on the transfer market this summer. But mm-hmm. for various reasons, it, it looks like United are going to sign neither of them. We've spoken a little bit about Rasmus Hoyland uh, on the previous pod and how he's a backup, probably a young option to to break through in, in the future years. So who can United look at that, that is going to fill the boots of a, a Kane or an Osman or certainly do what they do? Um, and interestingly, the top choice that the Athletic came up with as a similar player to Harry Kane uh, was a player that I mentioned to you on WhatsApp the other day uh, following Balogun um, of Arsenal well, technically of Arsenal but basically um, has done his uh, straight stuff in the French League in, mm-hmm. in the last year at uh, Reims and basically switched his um, international allegiance as well for the USA I think he was eligible for England Yeah, a player that I don't actually know that much about, but I've seen his stats and his YouTube compilations and have been incredibly impressed, basically. Um, would that be a player that United potentially look at? I mean, the, the sort of next top, similar to Kane or Osiman that the Athletic come up with is Gonzalo Ramos, who, who we've spoken about as well, and who wouldn't be a bad yeah. option either. So just just um, just a question back to you. With, with the article... Was that saying that Balogun is similar to both Osman and Kane? He is, yeah. He's the most similar to Kane that they come up with, and he's in the top. Kane. He's in the top five that they come up with in terms of similarities to uh, Osman. The other players okay. on on both lists are Gonzalo Ramos, uh, Lautaro Martinez. They're the top few. Uh, Makoko off uh, from Dortmund. His name comes up as well. So okay. I mean, this is basically the work that United should be doing uh, behind the scenes in their recruitment department, we hope. Um, yeah. It just seems very odd to me this summer that United ha- have not been linked with a single striker, really, other than Kane Osserman, that is of that elite calibre. Hoyland, yeah. as we said, isn't in that bracket. So what, why aren't they Why aren't they being linked with other real elite top-name strikers? Well, why are they not being linked? Hopefully they're doing a good job of keeping things um, under wraps and not letting things leak. They'll have well, players that, on their... That, that never happens. They'll definitely have players on their list at the very least. The, the reason I asked the first question is Harry Kane and Osserman are not very similar players. No, yeah. <laughs> so two separate lists, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like Osserman is an out-and-out goal scorer. He is a fantastic... Fit. His expected goals are absolutely phenomenal. I think he's nearly one per game, which is not the top 1%. And Harry Kane is also a very good goal scorer. That almost goes without saying. But Harry Kane drops deep. Like When you watch Harry Kane, he drops really, really deep for a striker. Almost like false nine number levels of dropping deep. He loves to drop deep, get on the ball, 
switch play, loves doing that. And he creates a lot for, for his teammates as well as scoring goals. Osman doesn't do that. Osman is like the guy you have right at the end of the move or the guy making a run off the shoulder to, to get in behind and score a goal. He's just an out and out goal scorer. And if I was to compare the two, Balogun is more like Osman than he is like Kane. He's, he's a, he's a goal scorer. Um, Look at his the athletic disagree. Okay, well, interesting. His expected goals is 0.63, so that's the top seven percent. His expected goal, his expected assisted goals, sorry, are middle of the road, 50%. And his assist is one per 20 games, which is in the bottom 25%. So, I mean, that to me is not that's a goal scorer. I don't, I don't think it's, and I've watched enough of him to know that he, he is a goal scorer. Um, he tends to get on the ball, uh, play on the shoulder, receive progressive passes. Doesn't get on the ball a lot, unlike Harry Kane. I mean, he, he plays 17 passes a game. Harry Kane plays way more than that. In fact, most strikers get on the ball a lot more than that. And he does next to no defensive work, which I guess is more similar to Harry Kane, but not similar to Gonzalo Ramos, who is quite a quite an active presser. But to, re- to I guess, just step away from that for a second. Is he someone United should be looking at? Yes. Yeah, I think he's very good. He's still young. He's admitted he only really had one season where he's been this good. When he was at Middlesbrough, he was good enough to think he could make the step up to the Premier League at some point, not good enough to play for United. He's now gone to France and looks like a player that could step up to United. So I'd be a little bit more hesitant. But should United be looking at him? Yeah, he should be on list. United should be looking at him. And there's there's a lot of strikers in Liga. United should be looking at. I've spoken about them before, but Jonathan David at Lille, Lois Appender at Lons. Two... His name also com- comes onto this list as well, actually, Appender. Yeah, uh, I spoke about Appender on the last podcast. He is very, very good. His uh, expected goals, 0.72, which puts him in the top 5%. He shoots nearly four times a game. Again, top 5%. And his assists are in the top 30 to 40% as well. He is a very, very good attacking player, but his pressing work could do with a little bit of um, improvement. But yeah, Ligon's a hotbed of talent at the moment, certainly for young strikers. Yeah, well, it's interesting that a lot of the names um, that are similar to Kane on this list, and this is something that I've I've been quite big on, that I think United should do. A lot of them are basically people who play out wide. They've gone for profile of player rather than out and out stats. So people who come up are further down from Balogun are Delafeu at Udinese, Darwin Nunes, Brian and Bomo, uh, Patson Dacca, Rashford is actually on the list, um, Brennan Johnson, Mbappe. So these these are players who I think Mbappe. what you're it's, yeah well <laughs> Mbappe. Let's sign Mbappe. It, it's who, you, who you're talking about, it's what you're talking about, sorry, in terms of doing things deeper and doing things in other areas and getting involved in the play, passing, and yeah, even being I... able to play out wider in the number 10 role, I would kind of like United to have a number nine who can do all of that and who isn't just, you know, a penalty box merchant. Yeah. Yeah. I I think what you're seeing with, with those other players on the list is what I was speaking about before, that Harry Kane is not a traditional number nine. He drops very deep. Like he does come out into wide positions. He helps progress the play. He loves switching it. So we've got the find me a player like for Harry Kane. And 
Delefeu is on the list. He's there. He is tenth. I'm looking right at him. Someone like Zhao Felix. You know, players who are not out and out number nines. And that's when you're talking more about Gonzalo Ramos and Osserman, Balogun. These are more out and out number nines. So, I guess United just need to ask, what do we want? I, th- I think the, the general consensus is to be a consistent goal scorer, which I guess all these players are consistent goal scorers because they're very good strikers. Even Harry Kane is dropping deep is obviously a consistent goal scorer. But I'd just like United to be a bit more nuanced and think it through a little bit more because just to take it one step further, Ted Hag likes his players to press. Harry Kane's not a presser. He's not a particularly hard worker off the ball. He's, to be brutally honest, quite slow. Um, he hasn't got any pace anymore. Obviously, there's so many other attributes that that doesn't hold him back, but he isn't that kind of electric player who's going to press the opposition. So I just think United need to say, what do we want? What do we want the most? And which is the player that fits into that the most? And then make decisions off that. Well, that can apply to Kane and the striker situation. It also can apply to Amrabat and, and the defensive midfield situation. The only position really that United are going for where they seem to know really exactly what they want is the goalkeeper and that's probably because they've had what they don't want and had a good look had a good look at David De Gea and decided they need someone different from that and mm. that's that's probably an even worse indictment on De Gea we're not going to keep digging De Gea now but it's that shows that Ten Hag knows what he wants in the goalkeeper position and the club is not thinking all along the same lines in the other positions. Yeah, but even with De Gea a couple of months ago, we felt that United were going to keep him on. That's where we thought it was going. So we were having the same conversations conversations about the goalkeeper department. Um, Maybe it's just the case we're not getting all the information out and there is more thought behind this than it seems. I think that's the case with De Gea, otherwise... We wouldn't be five days after on from his departure of the club, uh, yeah. Without it, without any sort of announcement, there's a new contract coming. I think we're past that now. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, we are putting a bid in for Anana shortly. Yeah, who is a player who much more fits the mold of what we want. Someone who's willing to sweep, come out of his box, happy to get on the ball, and is also a fantastic shot stopper as well. I think he'd be a, a great signing, and we'd. United will improve a lot just from having that type of goalkeeper. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll have to see what uh, what happens. There we go. The, the start of the podcast, then United tweeted out the video for Mason Mount, and now there's the full statement with his quotes and and all sorts. So get oh. your teeth stuck into that. Um, I will one over the line, <laughs> and yeah, it'll be very very interesting to see where United move next. I I suspect our next pod will be on Anana. Um, but it's it's United in the transfer window. It's like it's like a roller coaster. Yeah, I mean we have been linked uh, the final goalkeeper as well, Bilo, uh, the young Dutch keeper. We have been linked with him, but he's another one who fits that profile. Happy to get on the ball, a more modern goalkeeper, and that does seem to be where we're pushing towards. Thankfully, we'll see. We'll see. Um. That's pretty much all we've got time for today, then. We'll keep these transfer special podcasts rolling throughout the summer. Um, anything to add, Alex, or are you, uh, are you happy to sign off? Uh, anything to sell, anyone? Anything to sell? Um, 
not sell so so much but free trials on the apps two weeks we are starting to get uh users on the fan and pro app so the more feedback i can get on what's good what's not so good what can be improved what you love i'd, I'd really appreciate so that's yeah. it saber underscore sports on your social media for for that and uh at, on the trophy on twitter for us well we'll publish this podcast when it's uh, when it's out thanks very much for for joining me alex and thanks Cheers. for listening we'll be back again very soon